African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. This is a very significant historical election. This crisis is still damaging, especially Finnish and European economies very hardly, and that's an important reason to get more and more cooperation. And uh, what we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of uh, Tiwonge and uh, Stephen, and also we see Malawi violating its international commitments. Well, the position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting for marine species in particular. African Dialogue, a talk show where we cover anything and everything. Well, thank you for joining us. You are listening to Channel Africa. It's a new week. You're listening to us right here on our frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31 meter band to Southern Africa. My name is Benjamin Mushatama. You are listening to African Dialogue. And uh, just to remind you that you can also listen to us online on www.channelafrica.org. Today on the program, we focus on the six teachers from Africa who've been named in the top 50 shortlist for the world's first uh, Global Teachers Prize. So that's what we'll be uh, focusing on. We'll be crossing live to Dubai. Uh, but before that, let's get our news from Anusa. In the headlines, Nigeria's Air Force intensifies anti-terror operations in Bono and Yorbe states. DRC security forces detains a U.S. diplomat in a raid that also targeted journalists and regional democracy activists. And Israeli election candidates make a final appeal to voters on the eve of the polls. A very good morning to you. Nigeria's Defense Force have confirmed that the Air Force was continuing efforts to pound terrorist hideouts in some locations in Yobe and Bono states. This is part of an ongoing campaign against the Boko Haram insurgents. The military says simultaneous mopping up operations were also ongoing in the areas already operated upon by Nigerian Air Force. The Air Force oper- operation follows recent successes the military has recorded over Boko Haram militants whose activities have led to the deaths of thousands and displacement of more than one million locals. DRC security forces have detained a U.S. diplomat in a raid that also targeted journalists and regional democracy activists. They are accused of posing a threat to stability. DRC's Minister of Communications, Lambert Mende, says the diplomat was found among a group of people that was believed to be in the process of bringing an attack against state security. The detention followed a news conference in Kinshasa, organized in support of a Congolese movement known as Filimbi that aims for greater youth participation in politics. 
Israeli election candidates are making their final appeal to voters on the eve of the polls. Today is the last day of campaigning in an election that will determine whether Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu can secure another term in office. Latest polls have shown Netanyahu's Likud party trailing the centrist Zionist Union by about four seats. Netanyahu has delivered a series of interviews in recent days in a bid to show up votes before tomorrow's election. His centrist rival, Azik Hezoch, is seeking to repair ties with the Palestinians and the international community and is promising to bring relief to the country's struggling middle class. South Africa's President Jacob Zuma says the late Public Service and Administration Minister Colin Shabane was an asset whose death has left a void that will be difficult for the country to fill. He was speaking after visiting Shabane's family in the capital Pretoria, Pretoria earlier this morning. Shabane died in a car crash yesterday. Zuma explains. We have lost a comrade, a man, a citizen, a minister with great attributes and qualities who had a long time to contribute to the government. The country really must join the family in mourning with dignity and celebrate his life, which he spent very well in fighting for the liberation of this country and as well as the reconstruction of this country. So we have lost. Uh, He leaves a gap that is going to be very difficult to close. The Pacific Humanitarian Team of the Office for the Coordination of Humanitarian Affairs is responding to what it calls the catastrophic impacts of a devastating cyclone in Venetua. During the past few days, Cyclone Pam has affected most of the island nation located in the South Pacific Ocean. Ochao says the severe Category 5 cyclone slammed into Vanuatu's capital, Port Vila, on Friday evening. Vanuatu's President Baldwin Lonsdale says the country says the country's hope for prospering into the future has been shattered. I'm speaking with you today with a heart that is so heavy. I do not really know what impact Cyclone Palm had left for Vanuatu, as there are no confirmed reports as yet. Representatives from 186 governments are at the third UN World Conference on Disaster Risk Reduction. A new framework to reduce the risk of disasters such as this one is expected to be adopted. Recapping the top stories, Nigeria's Air Force intensifies anti-terror operations in Bono and Yorbe states. DRC security forces detains a U.S. diplomat in a raid that also targeted journalists and regional democracy activists. And Israeli election candidates make a final appeal to voters on the eve of the polls. You are listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. My name is Benjamin Mushantama. You're listening to us on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa. And if you're listening to us online, um, are you listening to us on www.channelafrica.co.za. That's www.channelafrica.co.za. 
Now, six teachers from the continent have been named as some of the most innovative uh, on an international prize, which uh, they were shortlisted only out of 50 educators in the world. Now, the Global Teachers Prize, also referred to as the Nobel Prize for Teaching, is the largest occasion of its kind, which acknowledges teachers who use creative ways of teaching their students. And uh, they also uh, are chosen because they contribute to the immediate communities and are also able to encourage others to take teaching teaching as a career. Now, the teachers from the continent were selected for the prize, and they came from countries including Kenya, Malawi, Morocco, Uganda, Tanzania, and Madagascar. Now, this is taking place in Dubai, and we're going to be crossing live there to actually find out what's happening there and look at some of uh, the great uh, things that are happening at this particular prize title, the Global Teacher Prize. Now, we have the Minister of State in charge of primary and secondary education in Rwanda wonder uh, Mr. Albert Nsingi Wumva and also we have uh, Ms. Esther McFarlane who is uh, joining us I think he's from South Africa and he, she is a part of the youth advocacy group that's also uh, involved in this particular Nobel Prize for teaching and uh, yeah we're going to find out more about what's happening that other side and I'm sure we'll have other guests that side who will be joining us during this particular hour now let's start with you Minister thank you for joining us on the line Thank you so much. Uh, just to correct, I'm the Minister of State in charge of Technical and Vocational Education. Okay, Technicon? Uh, yeah. Okay, cool. Pivot, yeah. Fantastic. Okay, I think I got the incorrect information there, but it's great to have you on the program there. Uh, Minister, tell us a little bit about your involvement in this particular uh, uh, prize, uh, the Global Teacher Prize. Why did you go all the way to Dubai to be part of it? Uh, first of all, thank you for giving me the opportunity to uh, uh, to be part of this uh, uh, radio uh, station, uh, session. Uh, I, I had a chance to participate uh, last year to uh, the Global Education uh, and the Skills Forum that took place in Dubai. And one of the discussions that came out was particularly the issue of quality that we'd like to see in most of our schools. And that's how... I came to learn that uh, one of the things that need to happen is really to incentivize teachers. Teachers are central to education, and that's really whole, the whole idea of trying to make sure that we award some of the best teachers. We all have in our lives teachers that have really played a very important role in our education. I think it's very important to acknowledge mm. uh, the ones that have championed education, they keep championing the education in all parts of the world. You know, it is not just a matter of uh, uh, countries that have developed. Mm. We are also considering the developing country because education plays a very important role in our social and economic development. So that's really basically the background, the importance that we attach to uh, qualified teachers that champion education in most of our, uh, our countries. Mm. And also, it's interesting because when you look at uh, Rwanda in itself, it had some challenges. I mean, some few years back when you look at the Rwandan genocide and uh, there were some kind of um, a lot to actually do after that particular uh, period in the country. In terms of education, especially when you look at vocational education and uh, universities in your country, after the genocide, how did you guys pick up uh, your actually efforts to brief up the education system in the country? Yeah, first of all, indeed, uh, we cannot talk about uh, advancement of the society mm. without looking at the kind of education uh, that can allow 
uh, to reach there. And one of the critical issues that, as you can imagine, you just mentioned about the genocide and the war, one of the uh, critical issues was to have people at different levels that have minimum education, starting by believing that uh, a nation to advance, you need a massive number of people that are educated. So that really was one of the critical issues to address at that point. And that's why Rwanda, as a government, has put a lot of investment into education, starting by basic education, to the point that uh, today we've reached 97% of uh, basic primary enrollment, oh, one great. of the highest, actually, around Fantastic. the continent. Mm. And our emphasis is being put in more into secondary education, uh, so where we need also to raise the level of enrollment. Now, this is, was part of the, uh, the Millennium Development Goal mm. that, was, uh, that was initiated in 2000 in Dakar. And in February, uh, Rwanda hosted the Education for All. A number of African countries were really involved in participating in this. We all acknowledge that uh, there have been a lot of uh, development into uh, basic education, particularly in primary. Most of countries have reached at least 90% mm. of primary enrollment. But we all agree there are still a lot to be, to be done. Mm. Just because uh, the, on one side we still have a great number of uh, kids that are out of school. Others have still problems of basic literacy. So it's so important that uh, when we meet in a gathering of this kind to learn how we can advance more in education, particularly looking at the post-2015, what are the key, and key issues and challenges that our countries are facing in terms of making education inclusive, mm-hmm. but also connecting education with the labor market. Mm-hmm. So those are the key issues that are coming out that we feel Rwanda mm-hmm. is really there to learn and see how we can share our lessons as well. Mm, it's actually great looking at some of the figures that you're highlighting with the high enrollment. And uh, we'll come back to some of those issues with you, Minister. But I want to move right now to uh, uh, Ms. Esther McFarlane, who is joining us and is there as well at the Global Teachers Price. And uh, she's representing the Youth Advocacy Group. Esther, thank you for joining us on the program. Sure, great to be on. Now, Esther, tell a little a little bit about the Youth Advocacy Group and what do you guys do as an organization and how you got involved in the Global Teachers Prize? Okay, sure. So, the UN Youth Advocacy Group is really a group that falls under the Global... Okay, um, um, Esther, Esther, can you hold on there? Yes. Uh, because we're having some feedback there, and I think there's an echo. And I'm not sure if you and uh, the minister are in the same room, uh, because if you are, I think I'm hearing you both from uh, your f- cell phones in the same room. So I'd like you guys to stand a little bit oh, apart okay. or maybe in another room where it's much more quiet. So we'll just go to a little break right now. We are broadcasting from Johannesburg into Dubai. We're focusing on the Global Teacher Prize, and uh, we've been speaking to uh, Minister uh, Albert Ange uh, Nsengi Umvwa, uh, and uh, he was 
giving us a real kind of understanding of what's happening in Rwanda and uh, the education system there. And uh, we're trying to get a hold of uh, the Youth Advocacy Group uh, member, uh, Ms. Esther McFarlane, who's also there at the Global Teachers Prize. And it's referred to the Nobel as, as the Nobel Prize for Teaching, and it's said to be the largest occasion of its kind, which acknowledges creative uh, uh, teachers and uh, who are actually also very much contributing into the immediate communities and also who encourage others to take teaching as a career. And when we come back, we're going to look at some issues such as gender parity in schools. We're also going to look at the issue of where we are when it comes to IT systems in our universities and our uh, primary education in the continent. And also we'll look at the contribution that teachers are making all over the continent. But let's take a quick break while we're sorting out those lines. On the 17th and 18th of this month, join Channel Africa as we bring you live a broadcast on the second annual public-private dialogue forum on infrastructure projects held at the Hayat Hotel, Rosebank, South Africa. The summit will discuss the mechanisms, the successes and failures of local and international economic development initiatives in order to make recommendations of how to adapt them to benefit the broader African community. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Well, we're broadcasting to Dubai from Johannesburg today, and you are listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Okay. This is African Dialogue volume, with me, Benjamin hello. Mushatama, and uh, today we're crossing live to find out what's happening at the Global Teacher Prize, uh, and uh, it's said to be the Nobel Prize for Teaching, and uh, the largest largest occasion, and why we're actually interested is because we had uh, six African teachers uh, who were actually shortlisted at the top 50 for this uh, uh, very much uh, world's first one million dollars global teacher prize and that's the number one prize but let's see if we have better lines right now we are trying to cross back into dubai and i don't know if esther mcfarlane is there with us esther are you there I am here, yes. Okay, fantastic. That sounds a little much better. Now, Esther, I was asking before the break really about what Youth Advocacy Group is all about and tell us your involvement in this particular prize. Okay, sure. So um, the Youth Advocacy Group really falls under the UN Secretary General's Global Education First Initiative. And we're a group of young people who are advocating for education to be a priority within the development agenda and also advocating for the importance of including the youth voice whenever there are discussions and decisions uh, made about education. You know, we are really uh, the closest to the ground level and really the the people that are receiving that, that education. So... It's really important to also include young people in, in those conversations. Um, as for our involvement in, in the specific conference, uh, we're really uh, one of the key partners in the conference um, to, to really also promote youth participation um, with, within in this conference and to, to uh, represent youth perspectives on panels and and within the, the broader discourse uh, happening with, within the conference. So, um, and then obviously from that sends our passion to also support, you know, the teaching profession 
um, as people who are passionate about education, I think teachers are, you know, the most important role players with, within uh, the system and delivering a quality education. And I think the importance about the, um, about the prize is that we often see that, um, you know, society doesn't always put that, um, you know, give that recognition and put that importance on the teaching profession as really a fundamental position in our societies that are playing a big role in developing our young people. Um, so that is really mm. us as young people supporting, uh, you know, really promoting the teaching profession so that we also get really quality people Mm. Uh, who stay within the teaching profession and who who really provide quality education to our young people. Mm. Esther, what what's really the the challenges when it comes to us? Uh, oh, we're having another problem with our lines. Uh, I think uh, we've lost someone there on the lines. This always happens on African Dialogue. Seems like because we do have these international calls, we also struggle as well with uh, getting people uh, actually through. But hey, that's a challenge that we have sometimes with these international calls. You are listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. You're listening to us on the frequency 9625 kHz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa. Well, today we're focusing on uh, uh, this particular uh, program that is uh, currently taking place in Dubai, the Global Teacher Prize, and uh, it is said to be the largest of its kind. What it's all about is really to encourage, uh, really, the uh, career of teaching. We know that teaching is very much uh, an important part of uh, uh, African uh, development. We need good teachers. We need, uh, really, to improve the quality of of education on the continent. So such matters are very important for us to be part of and also to acknowledge, especially the teachers who are staying in their countries, especially in disadvantaged areas. We know we in villages you might not have as much resources that you do have in urban uh, settings. So that's why we're looking at this particular story, looking at some of the innovations that are coming out from the continent and what uh, uh, really teachers are doing on the continent to make teaching better and also to actually make it uh, productive and the creative ways that are being used by teachers. So I don't know if we have the minister on the line, uh, but I think Esther is still there with us. Esther, are you still there? Esther, are you still there with us? I think uh, we don't have Esther on the line. Esther, can you hear me? No, we don't have Esther on the line. Uh, we are trying to actually broadcast from Johannesburg to Dubai. So I think that we are currently struggling with the lines there. Uh, I don't think that we can actually hear. Let's see if we can actually take another break. And hopefully when we come back, we've sorted it out. Always missing your favorite Channel Africa radio shows? Well, now you don't have to. We have a free catch-up service that allows you to listen to Channel Africa radio content from your cell phone, computer or tablet at your convenience. Visit www.channelafrica.co.za and click on Programs for a list of your favorite shows. Select what you want to hear. Click on Listen and enjoy Channel Africa Radio. It's as easy as that. Channel Africa Radio, the voice of the African Renaissance.
Well, we are struggling this morning. We're trying to actually broadcast from Johannesburg to Dubai, trying to connect with the, the Global Teachers Prize, which is taking place there. And uh, we're trying to find out what's happening in terms of that particular prize. But let's see if we have some of our guests on the line. Do we have Minister Albert uh, Nsengi Umvai on the line there? Okay, no, we don't have the Minister. Esther McFarlane, are you with us? No, we do not have Esther. We do not have the minister. So I think that uh, we're going to take another break. I don't know how we're going to do that uh, because we're very dependent on these guys to speak to them looking at this particular award. But we know that uh, people are also part of this, uh, the likes of Academy Award winning actor Kevin Spacey, who sits on the Global Teacher Prize Academy. And uh, basically he was saying that uh, when he was starting out, he was inspired by a more experienced actor who told him that he thought that uh, he should start acting professionally and he really puts mentoring and personal support uh, into young people uh, into his center of his career and says that uh, young people's uh, potential needs to be realized and uh, that's why he was part of this uh, Global Teacher Prize and uh, uh, the top 50 shortlisted teachers uh, have now been judged by a prize committee with the final 10 candidates which were uh, announced earlier in the year and the winner that was chosen uh, is actually set to actually uh, look at various parts of uh, the whole education thing and uh, uh, the global and education and skills forum in March next year where they will be actually part of those particular proceedings there but uh, it's, it's very interesting to see uh, the, the various stakeholders and the criteria The criteria for this was innovative and effective instructional practices and student learning outcomes in the classroom and school. Another criteria was accomplishments beyond the classroom that provide role models for the teaching profession, whether through charitable or community work or through sporting, academic and cultural achievements. Uh, Also, another way that they looked at this was uh, they wanted to see if a teacher can contribute to issues like uh, public debates and if they can raise the bar on the teaching profession whether through writing articles, blogs, taking part in media and social media campaigns, uh, events and conferences. So there's uh, various elements that uh, actually make this uh, uh, teacher actually uh, the uh, candidate for this particular prize. But uh, I'm not hearing anything from my producers, but let's see if uh, we have anyone on the line. Esther, are you there with us? No, we don't have Esther. And uh, Albert Nge Sengi Umva, are you there with us? No, we are not actually moving on with this program. But hey, let's move on. Let's see if we can actually have another break. And uh, we'll see if we can come back with this. But we seem to be struggling with that Dubai line. Ni talala na nani we unaenda Bie paka ni mawazo wewe Bie paka ni kuwaza waza we unaenda naenda Kama ile njia ya Money, my 
You are listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. And I'm Benjamin Mushatama, and you're listening to us on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa. And uh, today we've been struggling this morning with our program, and uh, it's just that uh, we've been struggling with those particular lines. And sometimes maybe when we do do a live broadcast, sometimes the technology lets us down. But let's see if uh, we can actually go back to Dubai and see if we can get anyone there. Uh, We had Esther McFarlane earlier on from the youth advocacy group and uh, I don't know if Esther is there with us. Esther, can you hear us? Esther? Hi. Okay, fantastic. So now you can hear us. I'm back on. Okay, fantastic. We've been struggling to get through to you guys, but finally we have you guys, which is fantastic. And and Esther, when you were highlighting earlier on the work of the Youth Advocacy Group, uh, in terms of education and and the work that you do, uh, where are the challenges that you're finding when it comes to teaching, especially on the continent? Um, I'm, are you, sorry, I couldn't hear clearly, so you're asking about my personal experiences? Uh, not necessarily, your, but in terms of uh, the experiences maybe that you hear from the young people that you work with and uh, maybe some of the work that you've done in education, uh, where are the main challenges that you see in terms of uh, education and teaching in uh, South Africa because you come from South Africa? Yeah. Okay, so, um, yes, I've been a teacher in a high school in mm. South Africa called Claymont High School. Mm. And um, the school is really aimed at empowering young people from disadvantaged backgrounds with really a good education and good facilities and good teachers so that, you know, they have access to further opportunities and tertiary education and so on. But I think, you know, it's a, it's a very small impact on a very, very large problem in uh. South Africa, which is really a struggle to establish, inequ- establish equality in a very, very unequal system, which is, uh. you know, unfortunately what we've inherited from a very divided history. Um, I think um, my experience there has made me think a lot about the narrative in education that we have of, you know, really empowering learners to rise above their circumstances, which, uh-huh. which in a community where young people come from disadvantaged backgrounds really means that they have to leave their communities behind. Um, and I think that's a very limiting narrative. So I think the challenge for education is to say, how do we empower learners to not only, you know, look for personal success and rise above their circumstances, but how does the education system play a role to um, empower learners to play a leading role within their communities and to work together on not just preparing themselves for yeah. employment, but really preparing themselves to be active citizens and to address real problems and real issues within the society. And work with, I mean, in South Africa, obviously a very diverse, unequal, society to work with people from different backgrounds and um, to really solve the, the challenges that are facing our society. Mm. And also, in terms of also keeping teachers in the system, and sometimes that is a challenge in South Africa, isn't it? I was asking me in terms of retaining those teachers, especially in the education system, isn't it a challenge in South Africa? 
what are the challenges? I'm just saying retaining and keeping teachers within the education system, Esther. Is that also a challenge? Uh, I'm sorry, I couldn't. Okay. I can't hear the question clearly. I think the line isn't. Yeah, the, yeah, we're struggling. Good. Are yeah. you asking if it's, it's a challenge to get learners into the system? No, just retaining teachers, making sure that we keep teachers within the education system. Oh, so, so looking at the teachers within the education system. Yeah, how, how, do we have systems to keep them within that system? Yeah, so I mean, um, I guess the challenges are very big depending on where you are teaching. So there are obviously top performing schools in South Africa that are doing really, very well and producing top candidates. But the, ch- the big challenge is how do we, you know, empower through education a lot of young people who are still living in severe disadvantage and poverty and, you know, social circumstances which have a very um, you know, fundamental influence on its own in schools. But not only that, mm. the fact that, you know, it's also a struggle with the schools they are going to, the infrastructure of those schools, the teachers who are willing to, to teach in those areas. So I think establishing equality uh, in the system is a very complex system which has many layers. You know, education is one part of it, but mm. the, the unequal and divided society is, is part of that problem. And, and, you know, I think you need a holistic approach to really solve these problems and that's why I think young people need to be involved in their education to also play an active role within their society mm, mm. to help address those border issues as well. Mm. I don't know if we have uh, the minister, uh, Albert uh, uh, Nsengi Umva. Uh, can you hand him the phone? Because I hear now we can only speak through your telephone uh, and maybe we could just get his views before we wrap up the program. Make sure I'm talking about these. Sure, sure. All right. Uh, Minister, um, it's good to have you back on the line. I think we struggled with that line that you were on a little bit earlier. But I want to also look at the issue of uh, some of the areas that you highlighted and some of the strengths that you've learned in Rwanda. And uh, I just want to look at the issue of gender parity. Uh, how is it doing in your country? Uh, the problem in the past has been on the continent that it's very difficult uh, for us to get young women into the education system, especially in higher education. How is Rwanda doing in that regard? Thank you. Um, so there are different um, ways of looking at things. Of course, the first and most uh, critical was to make to, to make sure that society understands that uh, having almost fifty percent of females uh, in our population is something we need to take into consideration in other levels, particularly in decision making, for example. And that's really one the decision that was made that was translated into uh, the constitution uh, and some of the uh, reforms, uh, legal reforms that take place in, uh, in, in Rwanda. But at the same time, based on the background of most of African countries, where uh, women were considered uh, more as uh, the ones to keep 
the family, to stay home. Mm. How do you change the paradigm and make sure that it actually contributes to the advancement of the society and indeed in decision making? I think that's also another very serious issue that uh, we have to consider. And that's why today, as a result, we find more female into uh, the channels, particularly the parliament and the government as well. But more importantly, we are also specifically integrating gender. Gender means training in most of our programs starting by education. And that's why the city program has been established. To give you an example, uh, we have a program known as uh, Adolescent Girls Initiative that supports females to enter into skills development. So they're getting skills, they're getting educated, so that they can actually be able to sustain, including also uh, incentives that we provide for females to be able to enter into higher education, to science and technology. So there are a number of policies uh, in place that are used as instruments to support promoting girls' education at different levels in the country. And also, I mean, I was just looking at some of the criteria with this particular um, Global Teachers Prize, and uh, they were talking about uh, how uh, uh, teachers are using media and social media campaigns and also going on to the online and using information technology as a form of teaching. Uh, your views, Minister, on incorporating um, IT into our teaching processes. Uh, where do you think uh, we can go in terms of that? And uh, where are we when it comes to that part of uh, incorporating technology into our education systems? Indeed. Technology plays a very important role, particularly in education. And it's something that we have uh, acknowledged and trying to invest into technology as a number of countries, especially developed countries, have done. We believe that uh, with technology, we can improve our education. We can definitely also create a network of practitioners. And this is one of the debates going on and discussion going on around. So what Rwanda has done is really to make sure that uh, technology is embedded into, in, our, in our education from the early stage. We have projects, for example, known as One Laptop Per Child that allows our kids uh, when they enter into uh, primary education, to be able to acquire a laptop. And we believe this device, provided there are some application that can help a kid to, to learn, can make a big difference in the society. Of course, beyond the technology itself, it's also the capacity to create more, to, to introduce creativity, innovation into our education that we believe is really essential. In addition to that, we would also like to make sure that uh, as we engage into partnership with uh, international IT companies in the Facebook, Google, and others, there are so many tools that they have created that can actually support the uh, promotion of best practices within our education system. We are now developing the basic education master plan that, that will cut across all the levels of education. And the idea is to make sure that it supports quality, it supports access, but more importantly, it supports entrepreneurship as students transit from education to the labor, to the world of work. So all these are things that are really need to be integrated into education if we need to make it more accessible, quality, and more importantly, to connect to uh, the labor market.
And before I let you go, Minister, uh, as we're about to wrap up the program, in, in terms of the question that I asked to Esther earlier on, I was trying to figure out in terms of how do we ensure that uh, uh, we don't suffer from the brain drain that sometimes Africa struggles with. Uh, how do we maintain and retain uh, our teachers within the education system? How do we keep them on the continent, especially in rural areas where we need them the most? Are you I was I was just asking how do we how do we okay how do we keep some of the teachers in within our education systems because sometimes we struggle as a continent with the issue of brain drain how do we keep them within the education system especially in uh, areas that need a lot of development like rural areas. Okay, I think. No, I'm, I'm just. I mean, in terms of keeping teachers within yeah. the education system and not losing them to uh, other countries, how do we make sure that we we keep them in in the system itself? Well, I think that. Yeah, uh, there, okay, there are Yes, there are a couple of things that we need to take into account in this, in this perspective, and as my colleague was actually uh, mentioning, I think linking education uh, with the context, the local context for me, is so important. Uh, uh, early today, there was a session where we discussed on the uh, 21st century uh, learners. I think it's important that we look at education uh, in two ways. One, Education is a global, right, naturally, but it's also specific based on the context of each of our societies. In this perspective, we even talk about education not only taking place in the classroom, but even outside the classroom. That's what the linkage between education and the community become very important. And the ability in Africa of things we need to stress is the need to, uh, to use education so just a number of issues that the started uh, is actually trying to address. So the issue, for example, if we're talking about uh, basic health, we're talking about environmental issues, we're talking about we're, we're, we're evolving in a society that is multicultural. So how do we address this using the technology, also the education? Mm. And more importantly, how do we allow students to be uh, educated in the way that allows them to have critical thinking how do you educate our kids to be able mm. to become proactive? And actually, how do we make them the, the leaders of tomorrow? Mm. The ones that are going to take the leadership in helping the community to advance. I think this is all about empowering uh, our kids through the powerful uh, education as a tool. Well, well, Minister, we have to let it go there because we've run out of time. But thank you so much for uh, giving us that particular view and your perspective on uh, teaching on the continent. And hey, it was uh, unfortunate that uh, we had that particular breakdown at the beginning of the program trying to get hold of you all the way in Dubai. But thank you for your time. And want to also thank our producer that side, Fazda Hall, who was there trying to coordinate everything. It's not always easy doing a live uh, when it comes to from Joburg to another country but uh, thank you all for uh, contributing to our program today but it's time for us to move on we've got Wisani Matebula to give us our economics update
morning. Thanks, Benjamin. Egyptian President Abdel Fattah al-Sisi says the country needs 200 to 300 billion dollars to develop. Egypt, with a population of about 90 million, has been hit hard by economic and political upheaval since an uprising that toppled longtime leader Hosni Mubarak four years ago. Investment shriveled, tourism dwindled, as did foreign currency reserves. Meanwhile, an investment conference with uh, Egyptian authorities have been promoting as key to reviving the battered economy ended yesterday after deals potentially worth it. tens of billions of dollars were signed. Dumele Zulu reports. Prime Minister Ibrahim Makhleb said arrangements had been signed for investments worth some $36 billion over the course of the three-day event. A jubilant President Abdel Fattah Aziz told delegates that the event would be repeated annually. Aziz called young conference staff to the podium to stand around him as he delivered his second speech at the conference. They took selfies with the president and screamed in delight, then joined in chants of Long Live Egypt and repeated cheering. But Al-Aziz broke off the chant of Long Live Al-Aziz, saying Long Live Egypt and nothing else. South African Power Utility ESCOM says it has no plans to implement load sharing for the rest of the week, but has called on consumers to continue to use electricity sparingly. Spokesperson Kulu Pasiwe. ARM says the softer dollar price was offset by a weaker rent compared to the greenback, which softened by 9.5% in the period. Mining companies sell their commodities in dollars while paying most costs in rent. Headline earnings, the main measure of profit in South Africa, excludes certain one-time items. Earnings in the ferrous division, which includes iron ore, manganese and chrome, fell by about 60% to $67 million due to lower prices. ARM says in February it sold its stake in chrome mine to its partner as men. And apologies for that. That was our reporter, Homotomo Pulani, reporting about African Rainbow Minerals Limited having its first half headline earnings falling more than 50% due to lower prices of uh, commodities such as iron ore and uh, platinum. Moving ahead, an initiative has been launched to help improve smallholder farmers to access a wider array of modern and productive uh, food crop varieties. The African Seed Access Index monitors the state of the continent seed sector and highlights problems uh, that prevent uh, seeds reaching farmers. Organizers hope the scheme will shake off decades of complacency and uh, seed monopolies in the African continent. Uganda, Zimbabwe, South Africa and Kenya are featured in the first assessment. Let's look now at the markets. The dollar trading at 12.46, South African rands at 9.96, Botswana Pula and 7.28, Zambian Kwacha. Also at 0.67 to the British pound and 0.95 against uh, the euro. Commodities, uh, platinum $1,116, gold uh, $1,157 a fine ounce. Brent crude oil has gone down to $54.27 per barrel. And that's your economics news. Well, let's move on to our sports. We have Figi Lilingwati standing by.
In our sports update this hour, betting off with cricket news. The Proteas face Sri Lanka in the first quarter final of the Cricket World Cup at the SCG in Sydney on Wednesday. Both teams suffered two defeats in the pool stage of the competition, but as former champions and 2011 runners-up, the Sri Lankans will start as the favourites. Proteas coach Russell Domingo acknowledges their experience in big tournaments and believes that it will be a close contest. The record between South Africa and Sri Lanka, very evenly matched side over the years. I think we've won just about the same amount of games against each other. So we see a very tight contest. they obviously got some form batters at the moment. They've leaked a few runs, so they might probably have a few concerns with their bowling. But we know they, they've been in these situations before and have won these games. They beat England. They lost to Australia. They also lost to New Zealand. Um, so they're in a pretty similar situation. They're in the quarterfinals, and it all, all happens on the day, on Wednesday. And on the football news, South Africa's premiership side, Mamelodi Sundowns, will carry a slender lead when they head to Lubumbashi for the second leg of the Kiev Champions League campaign in three weeks' time, after Kamabila snatched a crucial goal to give the Pretoria side a 1-0 victory over Tipi Mazembe of Diaru Congo at Loftus Firstfeld. Sundowns coach Peter Musimani feels his team did enough and were in control of the game given the strength of the Central African opponents. I think it came out as expected. A very difficult organized team with experience. I would maybe say that the era has changed, the time has changed, the referees are strong, the referees are not afraid anymore. We hope we're going to get the same thing in Lubumbashi. We hope we don't have the, the, the previous stories of Lubumbashi. We tried. We didn't start very well, obviously, in the first 15 minutes. You want to understand that this team doesn't have experience of playing Champions League. It's the first encounter playing against a big team and it was normal for me when I realized that they didn't start strong and as usual. But what is more important is we ended up strong. We showed that we had superiority in, in numbers and we controlled the game. In athletics, Lebohang Shange broke a South African race walk record for the second time in eight days. His time for the 20-kilometer race walk event in Lugano, Switzerland, has been 1 hour, 21 minutes, and 50 seconds. Shange was second behind the Frenchman, Johan Dinis, who broke the 20-kilometer world record on the 8th of March. And finally, with uh, tennis news, world number two, Roger Federer, started his run at the BNP Paribas Open at Indian Wells, an ATP Masters 1000 event with a 6-4 6-2 victory over Argentine Diego Schwarzman and will now play the third round against Italian Andrea Sepi who beat Federer at the Australian Open last January. Schwarzman can be tough, you know, he can take time away from you and, uh, you know, take charge from the baseline. So I was happy, I was trying at least and sometimes I was successful playing on my terms and uh, I know there's certain things I can do better but uh, for a first round it's a, it's a good start. That's your sport news this hour.
Well, that's how we wrap it up today. We had a lot of problems, and I apologize from Channel Africa to you. Uh, when we were trying to start off the program, we really struggled with this particular show because we were broadcasting into Dubai from Johannesburg, and I think that the lines were not doing us any justice. So we do apologize for today's program. It didn't really come out the way we wanted it to go to, but we tried to bring you the latest, some of the uh, really pivotal issues that are facing the continent, and the Global Teacher Prize was really zooming into the role of the teacher and we know teachers are sometimes sidelined on the continent but they are really really the shapers of our society so what a pity that today's program didn't go on well but hey hey let's move on Uh, but anyway remember that African Dialogue comes to you every Monday to Thursday at 1100 hours Central African time remember you can SMS us send us your views SMS us on plus two seven eight two three three two five nine zero five that's plus two seven eight two three three two five nine zero five or you can Facebook us on Channel Africa. That's our page name. Or you can tweet us at uh, Channel Africa 1. That's the handle. Or you can also find us on our African Dialogue handle at African Dialogue. Let's end with the proverb of the day. This is a Maasai proverb. And I've heard it as well in uh, different languages in South Africa. This one states that everything has an end. Everything has an end. Hey, we had a bit of a chaotic program, so thank goodness it's come to an end. But hey, tomorrow, hopefully, we get it all together. But for me, Benjamin Mushatam, until tomorrow, God bless.